it used to be that you would uh, pay money in order to get your inclusion in a TV show or your newspaper ads or buy a billboard that can you know sort of direct someone to to where your location is. In today's day and age, it's much more complex. I, you know, I think that paid, owned, and earned media have got to work hand in hand, and that you have to be using all forms of it in order for it to you know really really work. I would say that the challenge is almost as much to you. And and when you got started um, doing what you do in social media and and um, communications and and that earned media space, I would say that uh, owned and earned almost was easier too, right? It was a place where if you had something that was newsworthy, people would want to cover it. If you had something that people liked, they followed you or liked you, and you were able to sort of show up in their feed again as you had uh, useful and likable content that goes there. But the platforms have made it much more complicated. I am so excited for you to listen to this episode. I learned a lot recording it from Scott Fowler. So Scott and I actually connected on LinkedIn. We're both in marketing and we both live in South Florida. So I'm guessing that's how we got connected. Um, And he has so much experience working in marketing, advertising specifically from before the dot-com days, before the social media days. And he is going to talk to us about how things are different now, why we need to be more patient today when we are marketing to see results, how to measure those results, because sometimes it's hard to measure results depending on what you're going after. Is it more clicks? Is it more awareness? Is it more credibility? Is it more sales? You know, everybody markets for different reasons. Um, They all have different goals in mind. And then he's also going to talk to us about how marketing and sales can work together because they're different. Different people do both things depending on the size of your company, but you do need to work together. And he's going to talk to us about how you can do that. And then we're going to talk about how some people are doing it right today and how some people are doing it wrong. Um, So you're really going to like this episode with Scott Fowler. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Scott, thank you so much for joining me on the Become a Media Maven podcast. Thank you for having me as a guest. I'm excited to have you. We actually connected on LinkedIn, and I was very interested in your history because you have worked in marketing since pre-social media days, and I think that's so interesting because I want to hear from you how you think marketing has changed. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I never thought I was going to be the old guy in the business. I always thought of myself as the younger one, but I guess I've uh, jumped that shark at some point in, uh, in my career. But uh, it has definitely changed. Um, so I did get started uh, way before social media really sort of came on the scene. And I would say almost before dot-com world got started. Um, so back in uh, 91, 1991 was my first uh, time that I was actually in advertising and marketing. And um, the thing that I've seen is that uh, the complexity level of what we need to do in order to reach and connect with consumers has uh, has become much greater. Um, it used to be a world where you just sort of worried about the what's that message you're going to get to them? Are you hitting that effective frequency? 
And you were able to go back and forth between a couple different channels. Now with social media, making sure that you connect to them not only once, but how do you keep those lines of communications really open um, so that you have two-way communication between yourself as the brand and the consumer that either is considering purchasing with you, has already purchased with you, or is looking at doing a repurchase um, is significantly important. So um, it really is about relationships. And uh, for the first time, I think in in advertising history, um, two-way communication is really what it's all about, which I guess is the definition of communications. Right. And what do you think about advertising today? So you and I have, we're both in marketing, but we do very different things. I don't do any advertising in my agency. We do all earned media. And I kind of, it's funny because I tell people, oh yeah, I own a PR agency, but I actually have no PR experience because my experience is in TV where I was a reporter and anchor for years. So I was getting the pitches from PR agencies, you know, the people who wanted that coverage, but they didn't want to spend the money on advertising. So I just never got into advertising. And now, and I'm interested to hear your take on this as an advertiser, um, I feel like advertising does not work close as well to what it once did maybe five, 10 years ago. Like it is so much harder and people look at advertising like, oh, you're just paying to be there. I don't really believe what you're saying. And it's really a struggle for brands. Yeah. So um, again, as a guy that grew up in advertising and marketing and built my career on it, I wouldn't say that it doesn't work, but I would say that you have to look at it very differently than you used to. Um, it used to be that you would uh, pay money in order to get your inclusion in a TV show or your newspaper ads or buy a billboard that can you know sort of direct someone to to where your location is. In today's day and age, it's much more complex. I, you know, I think that paid, owned, and earned media have got to work hand in hand, and that you have to be using all forms of it in order for it to you know really really work. I would say that the challenge is almost as much to you. And, and when you got started. Um, doing what you do in social media and, and um, communications and, and that earned media space, I would say that uh, owned and earned almost was easier too, right? It was a place where if you had something that was newsworthy, people would want to cover it. If you had something that people liked, they followed you or liked you, and you were able to sort of show up in their feed again as you had uh, useful and likable content that goes there. But the platforms have made it much more complicated. Um, brands and people um, are going out there and sort of putting more and more content out into the space. So people are being bombarded by stuff and the platforms are trying to find ways to sort of be your keeper, right? Your gatekeeper, the consumer's gatekeeper of what it is that they're going to see. And they claim that they're doing it on what they think you're going to be or that consumer is going to be most interested or most relevant to them. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, it makes it much harder as a brand uh, who's going out there doing it to sort of determine what should I be putting out and when will it be seen and how is it going to be seen? So for me, it's how do I couple what I'm getting on my own channels, what I'm doing with earned media and what I'm doing with paid and having those three work hand in hand um, in order to sort of get garner success. And I saw that I was able to, to sort of live that in with Mattress Firm, which is a, a brand that I was just recently working with as their CMO. Um, but we were literally able to make um, paid, owned, and earned work in much greater power by having the three working hand in hand and making sure that we had truly integrated campaigns that had all channels sort of thought of at the same time with similar messages, but tweaked it 
to be right for the different channels or different media that we were uh, running in it. Can you give me an example of like maybe something that you would do where it would include all three? Yeah. So um, first off, you never run the same thing in all three, right? It's just, it's not relevant because what someone is interested in social media may be very different than what someone is interested in paid media. So um, with Mattress Firm, um, we had spent a whole lot of time on making sure that we trained our salespeople. We had the greatest amount of information. We had some of the best products that were there. We tested everything that we were, you know, we were doing. We were able to eliminate all the confusion of what um, consumers were saying. So, um, what we did is we tried putting out there that um, on the different channels proof points of that. So, if you didn't paid advertising, we talked about the fact that we had the greatest selection and we were close by and we had the newest technology and at price points that are unmet, you know, unmatched by anybody else. So, give people a reason why here. When we were de- dealing with uh, things like earned media and owned properties, we wanted to be able to portray that, but we wanted to portray it in a more interesting way. So um, we took something as simple as our internship and we did a spin on it. So we hired an intern, um, started it while I was there, that their sole job was to help not only test what products we were about to put on our floor. Did you like it? Does it really keep you cooler? Did you sleep better? Um, is it really soft or is it, does it feel like a medium? So not just defining things by what the manufacturer said it was going to be, but we were able to take that intern and turn them into people who were talking in consumer speak. So they produced content that was very consumer centric. They were able to test the products and, and add credibility to you know what people liked in the products. But we labeled them and, and packaged it all in something that we called a snooze turn. A, con- a intern who basically got paid to sleep on the job. That's and the best job ever. It's the it really is the best <laughs> job ever. And by the way, and people ate it up. Consumers loved it. Um, the earned media channels, Today Show, Good Morning America. I mean, Carson Daly loved talking about it. Um, we were featured on you know in newspapers and on every blog that you can think of. So, so if you just sort of think about it. We had paid covered talking about the expertise and the product quality and the pricing. We had uh, the own channels talking about the depth of knowledge and information and, and showing people that we were a place to shop because we were able to provide you with selection and choice and knowledge and then owned by making something unique that was different to us and set us apart that people then wanted to cover. That's how we saw those three sort of coming together. And it, we were able to amplify all the pieces of content, whether it be the owned or earned. We were able to run our you know, promotional advertising and we were able to build depth and purpose in the brand itself. That's awesome. I think the big takeaway there is you never run the same thing in all three. And even if you tried, it won't work. Like, especially when it comes to earning media, you cannot be promotional because yeah. the, the media doesn't want to give you a free commercial. You have to make it fun. Like, Hey, get paid to sleep. Like that's a fun story. <laughs> yep. It, it, yeah. And listen, it, listen, it's important to make sure that you understand why consumers are using the channels, who the consumer is that you're talking to, and then alter that content to be there. I mean, we're, we as brands have become just as much um, content producers as the content providers. I mean, that's, that's, you know, everyone's expecting some type of, I'm not going to call it entertainment, but some type of depth of relationship of the content that they are um, absorbing in the things they do. Otherwise, they're just going to abandon you and walk away. Yeah, I, I believe that if you are 
any kind of business owner, you have a product, you have a service, you almost have to also act as a media company. You have to be producing your own media and putting it out there or else nobody's going to be able to find you. You're going to be irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, take a look at brands like uh, Purple, right? Purple Mattress is a per- is a mattress that we carried in our uh, in our locations, the retail locations that mattress firm. Um, but they created a brand that told a story as to why their technology was different. They were innovation forward. I spoke with uh, their their CEO, uh, Joe Magnu, and, he, and Joe's um, total push was, how do we become relevant and tell our story as to why our technology and our product is different? And by being able to set themselves apart and partner with a retail brand like ours, we were able to talk about why it should be here. They should talk about why it's about their product. And together, we were able to form something that was uh, very powerful. Love it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you one of my pet peeves in dealing with some clients of mine. And that is when it comes to marketing, they want everything to work tomorrow. And <laughs> I feel like today, especially for the reasons you've alluded to in the last 10 minutes, um, that y- you need to be patient because everybody's getting different messages in different places at different times. And those messages are like multiplied by a million just because of the way we all consume our media now. And it just takes longer to make an impact. It takes longer to build a brand and to build trust. So what would you say to those business owners and those brands who maybe they tried something, they're a month, two months, three months in, and they're not seeing an ROI? Yep. So, um, I would say that just like anything that you do, set objectives and purposes to what it is that you're running, what your expectations are, and then make a determination before you go live with it. Will that be able to deliver on what the the thresholds are that you sort of set for yourself? Now, I am a big believer that you must sell for tomorrow in order to exist and build for uh, the future, right? So for, you know, for the longer term. So, um, I think that you have to have a good mix of how do I sell today, but build the brand or build the initiatives for um, a bigger purpose tomorrow. So, you know, as a uh, a brand, I can't say tomorrow I want to be about blank. Change your communications or change your promotions or change what you're doing in store and expect it to have traction that same day. You know, consumers are being bombarded by messages, not only yours, but what your competitors are doing. And listen, if your competitors are smart and they're recognizing that you're making a change, it's time for them to go in and make that kill shot, right? Because they can start, you know, drowning out your message. And while you're making that change, they can, you know, sort of overcome what you're trying to do. So what I would say is have patience, but have a good mix of what it is you're doing. If you need some promotional, you know, messaging that's going to have that effect tomorrow, Think about it that way and choose the media and, and channels that are going to make the change to today, but build for tomorrow. And it's going to take a little bit of patience. And listen, test and learn. Set the objectives. See if you're achieving or if you're making some movements in it. Is it making the right directional uh, effect on what you're doing? And then move it forward. But you're not going to be able to push a boulder up that mountain, you know, in a day. It's, just, it's not going to happen in a month. It's not like if you have a brand that has been sort of neglected or hurt for a long period of time, if you want to make a change to it, it's going to take some time in order for consumers to see it, hear it, and then start to believe it. And then they have to come in and be able to, to uh, sort of experience it themselves and be able to move forward. 
And here's another hard to answer question besides the time. Let's talk about the money. When people say, oh, okay, you're going to do this marketing for me. Uh, when am I going to see my ROI or what's the ROI? What's the ROI is a big question that I find is very hard to answer, specifically when we talk about earned media, but also, you know, combining all three of them. So how do you answer that when people, maybe they're very analytical and they like numbers and data? How do you answer the, what is my ROI question? Yep. So um, it is the million dollar question because everyone's asking it, but yet it's one of the hardest things to measure, especially if you're trying to measure a single channel. Um, so what I would say is uh, set up your KPIs, make sure that you understand what it is that you're trying to make movement on and then keep an eye on it. So whether it be um, awareness, um, what the you know sentiment of your overall brand is and is that making movement, traffic, whether it be to your website or to uh, your individual retail locations, if you're able to have both, is it uh, capturing new data in your database? Not everything is going to be able to be managed or tracked to an individual sale. So I go from this to this, and therefore now everyone's buying more, or I have a um, higher AOV. Some of that's going to take a little bit of time, but you do need to make sure that you have multiple levels of KPIs so that you can start seeing some movement of what it is you're getting. And again, it's it's varying degrees and varying layers of what those KPIs, again, going all the way from, are people aware of what you got going on? What's their sentiment? Are we making some changes to it? Are more people talking about us? To are people coming in? Are they making the conversions? Are they buying what we need to them to buy? And are they going after that high margin product that we want to sell? And how do you make the difference between marketing and sales? Um, I've had clients come to me and they they almost want me to give them a number, you know, like that million dollar question. Well, what's my ROI? If we do this, how many sales is it going to bring in? And I always tell them, hey, I don't do sales. I don't know how good your sales team are. I tell them, I bring the horse to water and you make the horse drink the water. So how do you differentiate the marketing and the sales? Um, so it's a easy thing to sort of say um, we have to keep them separate, but it's very difficult to to sort of really keep them that way, right? Because no board of directors, no CEO, no business owner wants to say, well, I drove the people to the store, but they didn't end up buying, or I drove them to the site, but they didn't end up buying. So um, for me and every relationship that I've had in um, all of the organizations I've worked in, I've had a very tight connection between myself and the person that was running sales. So whether it be, um, yeah, mattress room, we had divisional presidents that were responsible for it. And then we hired a chief retail officer. Um, or if it's a COO that's, you know, responsible for the sales force, you have to have a strong partnership with them. And you have to be honest with each other to make a determination as to what is going right and what is going wrong. So um, are we driving more people in? Are we able to make those conversions? Sometimes, you know, I found sometimes in my career by pulling back on the number of people that we actually were driving to the retail locations, um, I actually did better overall because they were uh, fewer, but they were re ready to buy. They were the people that had the mindset to be able to do it. So it's easier for me to say, hey, come in and get your free blank. And people would walk in the door and they'd be like, all right, I want my free blank. And then they would walk out and not make the purchase of what it is that we're there for. We were there to sell mattresses and sleep and pillows and, and mattress protectors. But if they walked in and, and just talk, took the free thing or they registered to win a contest, I didn't do my job, really. So I think that it, there is a uh, nice hybrid 
an integration of those two teams that has to happen. So uh, for me, my number one partner is my uh, chief retail officer or uh, the person that's running the commerce site that um, we're driving traffic to and understanding who's coming and why they're not buying. So um, you have to be very analytical as to not only who are you driving there, but what actions are they taking and what may be going wrong? Is it on their side? Is it on the people that we're driving inside? What changes do we need to make? And um, if you get into an adversarial you know, situation where it's like, well, my side's doing well, your side isn't doing well. Um, the fact is neither of you are doing well and you're both at risk. So uh, being a connected team is the piece of advice I'd really give on, on making that work. And, and one of the things that I always start in every organization I go to is we do promotional planning meetings where we get together and we take a look at what happened previously in all promotions that we've done. Um, we have a driver tree. So how much should we put out in advertising? What did it really drive in for us? What actions did people take? What did we do in terms of sales? What kind of remarketing um, opportunities we have? Because remember, it's not all about the one and done in today's day and age. You know, we have the ability to remarket, retarget people. So we need to make sure that we're continuing to remarket them. So setting up a very formalized promotional planning approach will help any organization make sure that they're driving it forward. Okay, so to build on marketing and sales working together, and this is a very general question. So I guess just give me a general answer because I know it's different for every single industry. What is needed to convert? You get the people in there. What do the marketing and sales teams need to be working on together to convert? Um, I think the easiest way to put it is uh, deliverability on the promises that are being made. So every industry is different, right? So what you're promising and what you're doing um, could be different based on the brands you are. So again, let's take um, let's take the industry that I just came from, which is uh, mattresses. So mattress firm, we are able to say we have a whole lot of mattresses. We have a whole lot of advice we can give you. No one knows more. No one sells better. Um, and we train our salespeople to be able to deliver on that. And so when we put our messaging out, it needs to say we ha- we have all that and then it has to be delivered on when they come to the store. You take a brand that we would compete against, someone like a Casper, Casper gets all the rage and they get a lot of a lot of publicity that's out there. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that they only offer, you know, a few choices. Um, but yet a lot of people went there, but their promise was different. They said, we're not going to confuse you with a lot of choices. We have just, you know, this new technology that we're putting out there and being able to do. Whether it's the right product for you or not isn't isn't really what they're about. They're just saying, come in and try this product and we're going to make it risk-free for you. Both were able to deliver on sales, but the marketing and sales teams had to be connected in order to be able to um, really deliver on that together and live up to the expectations. And that's why we were both able to, to drive sales. So um, you can have different promises, but you have to make sure that you deliver on those promises because nothing will kill a good brand based on either a wrong promise that they can't deliver on when they get there or the wrong, uh, the wrong promise. And then they get there and you don't find what you're looking for. I was not expecting an answer like that. And that was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, that was, I was expecting something like, Oh, we'll make sure their website's set up and it's, there's a clear call to action. You know, I was expecting that kind of answer, but that was really good. And it makes perfect sense. And it literally applies to every business owner listening right now. So that's awesome. 
Um, a lot of pe- a lot of people ask me what is my job as a as a chief marketing officer and you know someone who has been in marketing and advertising for so long, and that's I think one of the biggest changes that I've seen over the years is it used to be, you know, when I first got in the business, we were responsible for putting out creative or you know you know managing to a budget in order to to deliver um, a uh, media plan and and you know whether it be spots and dots or TRPs or in today's day and age, um, you know impressions and clicks and you know be able to get that transaction. Today, I believe that uh, chief marketing officers, whether that title sticks still or the the lead marketing person, I think that our job is um, really to make sure that we are bringing the teams together and that we are building the purpose of what it is and and holding our, our teams and our brands accountable for making sure that we are all rowing in the similar direction and delivering on what it is that we need to do. So... Um, we are just as uh, as um, responsible for not only the advertising and media we're putting out there, but how is the consumer experience, the CX and new X that's going on out there and making sure that we're delivering on that. Because without it, a brand will die. And that's super important today because if a consumer has a bad experience, they're going to tweet about it and they're going to tag you and then it's going to be retweeted. And it's like it grows a whole other pair of legs and takes on a whole life of its own. Exactly. How many, I mean, how many consumers do you see when you take a look at their, let's take Twitter, you know, for example, what do they use Twitter for nowadays? Just to complain about the experiences that they have in different places, the photos they take of the hair that they got in, you know, in their food or um, the video that they post on Instagram of a product not working. I mean, the number of people that um, complain on these platforms as they go forward um, are huge. You need to make raving fans. They, you know, social media can be used to sort of really drive that positive interaction, the uh, the educated salesperson that they um, connected with, the knowledge base that they were able to get, the product delivery uh, that exceeded their expectations, the putting on of uh, booties or um, you know cleaning of the house or saying thank you or leaving a rose on a pillow, whatever that is, you know if you can maximize what you have going there, I'm telling you, it makes it all the difference in the world to the way that consumers will see you and talk about you in that social media space. And who do you see right now, whether it be on social media, on TV, all forms of marketing, what brands do you see right now who you are very impressed by? You're like, wow, they're doing a great job. They're doing it right. Oh, gosh. Um, that's a tough one. Um, I would say that um, you know a lot of the DVC brands, I think, are doing um, the social media space really, you know, really well. Um, Mac Weldon, um, which is a brand that, you know, I personally, um, am passionate for and that I follow and I use their products and I really like them. Um, I think that they do a really good job on making sure that, um, they're not only pushing out content, but they're responsive to the consumers they have there and that they, they hold them up to a much, you know, much higher regard. Um, there's a, there's a children's brand that's out there. Um, called Rockets of Awesome, uh, which I think has done an absolutely fantastic job of uh, really taking a look at how do they connect with the moms or dads or uh, those relations around those uh, parents to, you know, sort of really be able to market to them. And, you know, they not only, you know, put out good content, but they find ways to use that paid media retargeting to be able to stay relevant and in a non-pushy way. Um, So I think they do a really good job of it. Even okay. brands like I think a Sephora, you know, do a beautiful job of, you know, taking influencers and paid mm. media and really being able to put so, together some 
um, really good campaigns that that I can tell you I, I know connect with people as they move forward. Yeah, no, I agree. Every time I go into Sephora or even Ulta, and it's just like everything that they're selling, it's some beauty influencer with their name on it, and it works. It's crazy. Um, it does. And what about, um, and I'm going to link to these brands that you're talking about in the show notes so um, people can check them out. Um, and lastly, I want to hear from you because you've worked with a variety of brands over the years. Do you have a story where you went into something and you were like, um, it just totally blew it out of the water, whether or not you were expecting to blow it out of the water or not. And then on the flip side, something that you went into and you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be amazing. But then it like failed and you were like, well, I wasn't expecting that. So on both sides. All right. So the first question was uh, someone that blew it out of the water for me. Um, so I will give you, um, I'll give you an example of, again, personal story more than anything else. I am one of those people that I use social media sometimes uh, more for uh, the complaints than the, the positives, you know, on, especially when I'm dealing with my Twitter account. I was going up to Disney World and we were staying at the Waldorf um, and I ended up putting out a tweet that my room wasn't ready and nothing is worse than having a one-year-old, a three-year-old and a five-year-old and not being able to get into your room when you're expecting it. Um, and it was both uh, Waldorf and American Express that were involved in it. And um, both brands actually not only got back to me, but they actually had someone walk over to me in the lobby um, you know, to not only apologize, but offer us an opportunity um, you know, to have an area to go to and a place to change the baby and uh, make sure everything you know, sort of came together. So I think that they did an absolutely fantastic job of uh, really responding um, to, to what I needed to have done. In, in terms of uh, ways that I think that they didn't do it really well, um, I'm going to say I'm going to stay away from that one because I, I, you know, listen, I think all brands go through um, some ups and downs. I think they have some good days and bad days. And, and unfortunately, I think that the social media platforms of some brands um, can get a negative connotation based on the individual that's running it. And what I would say mm -hmm. is that some of it, again, I've, I've seen some, I've run a lot of social media campaigns. I built out a social media acquisition center um, at my old ad agency at Zimmerman Advertising, and it's state of the art, and it, it was great people that were, were were in there running it. But there are sometimes that we actually hired young social forward people, and they didn't always understand the basics of business. So I'd say is that when you choose someone, make sure that you know to run your media campaigns, your social media campaigns. Make sure that you have uh, people like you, people that have experience that have um, run campaigns and have been in the business world and understand that every action that you take, every reaction you do to that consumer can net out in a either improvement or a major failure in the way that brand is going to be perceived. And um, I've seen a lot of great agencies and a lot of great brands have some very negative um, reactions with individuals, some that have blossomed into really big press coverage, others that have been... Um, sort of minimized to only one or two consumers, but gosh, that still creates a lot of bad feeling and a lot of bad word of mouth around those consumers. So I would say that, you know, every brand could have something go wrong really quickly if they have the wrong people, you know, running their campaigns or their, um, their walls for them. 
Agree. And on the same note, I think it's almost just as bad when you have somebody who does the post and ghost. Like yes. you, you tweet them and you tag them and you get nothing. I had a very negative experience with a um, a TV company. I won't say the name, but it rhymes with Ramson. We'll go with that one. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, the customer service on the phone was terrible and they even have a support Twitter and that I was tweeting almost every day for weeks and nothing. And it really defeats the purpose of being on social media if you're not going to be social. Um, but on the flip side, you mentioned a few that you like. I am slightly obsessed with whoever is running like Wendy's Twitter. How oh, yeah. clever, like in the little, the little Twitter wars, but they're like friendly wars and so entertaining between like Wendy's and McDonald's and Burger King and the back and forth. It is so good. And they are so clever with it. Yeah. And if, it, if it's okay, I'm going to put a shameless plug into, uh, I worked on White Castle and um, you want to talk about a brand that has personality and the ability to sort of have a lot of fun. And they, they did constantly. I mean, they would find people who were, I mean, have you ever had a White Castle slider? Yeah, back in the day in Ohio, yes. Uh, yeah, so people, I mean, you want to talk about Crave, I mean, that's what their whole campaign is about. And I know that their CMO, Kim, um, you know, has always, she's always sort of told anyone that has, you know, been involved in the brand going, if someone's going to talk to you, make sure you talk back and make sure you respond. And what I would say, what I would tell all business owners and all brand owners to sort of recognize in today's day and age is that the social media um, platforms are more like call centers today than ever before, right? Especially if you're going to set it up where it is meant to be a customer service tool. Be there, be responsive, be respectful, and be on brand so that you have you know some fun with what it is because. Every interaction is going to get a step, that one step closer. You know, I mean, in the day and age where you used to walk into, um, what was it, Cold Stone? And, you you know, they would start singing to you as you, you know, walk in or, you know, welcome to Cold Stone. Like, the, all of those staying on brand and having that script and building what you want, you know, your brand to stand for and, and sort of living up to it, um, you can have it come through in all social interactions as you go forward. I love that. Another one that just went viral because it was hilarious was Netflix tweeted, what's, this was like, I think last month, they said, what's something you can say during sex, but also when you manage a brand Twitter account and even the most conservative brands were coming out on Twitter and responding and the thread, I mean, it was like hundreds of these big verified brands. It was hilarious. I'm also going to link to that in the show notes. Did you see that one? I did. I oh. did. And it, listen, when you can have fun like that and make it relevant, that's where earned media really plays. Yeah, it was so good. It was amazing. It was, and the funniest part was like the most conservative brands who you think, I'm not going to participate in this Twitter thread. They were like coming in with the funniest responses. It was so great. I think that Netflix lesson is a great one. Uh, they are content, they are content producers, but they understand that they, you know, all brands can be content producers and they have done what um, all brands should really do. And they should look at how do you get other people involved? How do you have that two-way conversation? Again, marketing is no longer one way. This is not, you know, crazy Eddie days where you're just screaming about we're 40% off or we've got the craziest deals that we have out there. It's about creating a relationship and creating a connection. Um, and I urge everyone to think about every channel, using them differently for the consumers that you're talking to. And that's where, that's where success will be found. 
I love it. And I'm going to link to that, that Netflix thread in the show notes because it is hilarious. Scott, you gave so much amazing information for anybody who is looking for marketing help right now. Is there anything else you want to add that I should have asked or that we didn't get to? No, I, I would say that, um, again, just, just make sure that you have a plan. Stick to it. It's, it's about, listen, everyone has the best intentions, right? And everyone always says, you know, this year I'm going to blank. Um, but without direction, without they're not going to end up in the right place. So have a firm plan. Make sure everyone understands what it is that you're, you're trying to do. Have those communications. Set up, set up joint division meetings or joint agency meetings or, you know, joint family meetings if you're running a small business so that everyone understands what it is because um, intention without direction isn't going to get you to, to the right place. So um, that's what, you know, I'm really focused on uh, driving for consumers and make sure we do. And again, uh, you know, I love working with uh, brands and businesses to, to help sort of drive them forward in doing that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Scott. And if people want to find you or connect with you, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at uh, Scott C. Thaler. That, my last name is T-H-A-L-E-R at gmail.com um, or at strategicsandbox.com, uh, which is uh, my consulting business that I've had set up so they can find me there. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you want to get a head start on earning media in 2020, that is getting exposure without paying for it, then make sure you check out Pitch Publicity Profit. It is my three-day video media class. On day one, we teach you how to pitch the media. So they actually say yes, and you can book that TV segment or get that article written about you. Day two, it is about acing that publicity so you don't bomb. You actually do a good job and hopefully get invited back for more at a later date. And then day three, what to do with that publicity to turn it into profit. So many people make the mistake of, oh, I got the publicity. That's it. That's all I need to do. No, 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 no. You need to leverage that to turn it into profit, and you will learn how at pitchpublicityprofit.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, please make sure you tap that subscribe button, and I would love a positive rating or review. So let me know what you thought about this podcast episode with Scott, and I will see you next week to give you a little sneak peek of what's coming up next week. Um, we are talking with Michaela Quinn. Michaela is somebody who is actually in my media mentoring program, and she is helping moms all over the world make more money by working at home. She's a former teacher. She quit her teaching job and replaced her salary in no time. Like amazing stuff. And she helps other moms do the same. So I'm excited for you to hear from Michaela next week. Thanks for listening.